So today is Pentecost Sunday. We celebrate the day. Of course, it's a, it's a Jewish holiday, but it's also a Christian holiday, right? It's, you know, 50 days after the, uh, uh, after, uh, anyway, 50 days. And uh, <laughs> so uh, after the resurrection. So I, I'm wanting to look at the woman at the well. And, and think about it. Here's another woman who is not named. But I think we relate to her, and I don't know, I don't know how many sermons I've preached on the woman at the well. You'd be, there, there can't be anything else to preach, right? I didn't even look at any of the old sermons, so we're just going to look at it in a different way. But, and also, so many times we refer to the woman at the well because it's, just, it's really where we're at, Journey Life Center, over the last 39 years, that we worship in spirit and in truth, and that has been, you know, something that has been so precious to us over the years. So let's, let's start looking at the story in John chapter 4 and beginning in verse 1. And it's a familiar story. Let's look at it in the Passion Translation. Soon the news reached the Jewish religious leaders known as the Pharisees that Jesus was drawing greater crowds of followers coming to be baptized than John. And by the way, they say now... According to, to tradition, if they look back at it, John's revival was no small thing. I mean, there were tens of thousands of people. I mean, when John the Baptist came along, it, it upset the apple cart, and now Jesus is drawing even more than John. So this is, this is a major move. Although Jesus didn't baptize, but he had his, had his disciples baptize the people, Jesus heard... What was said, what was being said, and abruptly left Judea, because they were after him, and returned north to the province of Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaritan territory. In the King James, it says, Jesus said, he must go through. And I just want to tell you, he didn't have to, and most Jews didn't. If you were a good Jew, you crossed the Jordan and went north. It's not that far out of the way. It's very similar. You're still going pretty much straight north from Jerusalem. You go to Jericho, go straight north. Or you could just go straight north. But so it's not, it wasn't like he was saving a lot of time. But how many know Jesus had another reason? Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph long ago. In fact, we're looking at several hundred years, um, and you may ask, well, who are the Samaritans? Well, the Samaritans, about 500 years before this, you know, our country is only 250 years. 500 years uh, uh, before Jesus, uh, the Samaritans decided it was too far to go to Jerusalem. It's kind of a lot, of, lot like church people today. It's, church is too far, it's too cold, it's too wet, it's too nice. can't win. So they decided they were going to set up a temple on Mount Gerizim, and they were going to worship closer to home. People go to church where they want to go to church. It doesn't matter what the Holy Spirit. Anyway, so, so the Samaritans split off from the Jews, and the Jews hated them ever since. It's a cultural thing. It's a racial thing. How many can relate? Okay, there we go. So, this, uh, soon, so uh, soon a Samaritan woman 
came to draw water. Oh, I'm sorry. Weary by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to drink water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. So we see this nameless woman, but I, I think she's, she's relatable. Um, but, uh, you know, unlike last week, the woman with the issue of blood, that woman was seeking for Jesus. Jesus didn't even see her coming. Amen? At least as far as you, because he turned, he said, who touched me? And he wanted to know. But in this case, hmm, the woman didn't know anything about Jesus. Jesus came looking for her. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know what your experience was, but mine, I think Jesus came looking for me. You know, at some point you do respond and you say, okay, and you give in and you finally say, all right, I'll, I'll be a Christian. But, but, but Jesus was setting me up for a miracle before I knew I was being set up. He came looking for me. My God, I just want to take a minute just to soak in. That, 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 that needs to soak in a little bit more in my own life. Why in the world would he come looking after me? I mean, if you knew me back then, you would have written me off. In fact, even after I got saved, there were people in the church because they started putting me in positions. And there were people in the church that said, you know, we really shouldn't put these, take these people right off the street and put them in positions in the church. And, and I'm, I'm going like, they're talking about me. I'm the only one. <laughs> Not so subtle, you know. But Jesus came looking for me. Well, I can tell you all kinds of stories how that situations were set up in certain ways. And, and Jesus, see, he said, I must go through Samaria. And, and, and the disciples are going, man, we're good Jews. We're not supposed to go through that. That's enemy territory. I have a word for somebody. Jesus will enter enemy territory to come looking for you. He will go into territory where the devil is, is in charge and attacking, and he's got all his forces and he'll go to enemy territory to find you. So, so he gets there, he gets to Jacob's well, and he sends his disciples to go get lunch. I don't know if that's the real reason. I mean, why does it take 12 guys to go get lunch? 12 guys go get lunch for 13 people. Somebody carried two meals, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, here they are. They pull up in this big van, and they go through the drive-thru, and there's, and there's 12 of them, and Peter's trying to get the orders. I, I think he needed to get them out of the way because they would have been more of a hindrance than a help. Oh, my God. You know, that might preach, but you're not going to like what I got to say. Amen. So, sometimes God's got to get things out of the way, even though they're good, they're not best. That's not what God needs. But anyway, he sends them away so he's alone because if that woman had come to the well and there's 13 guys sitting around the well, she probably wouldn't have come up at all. So sometimes, you, sometimes God will remove things from your life and you don't like it and you don't know why he did it, but he did it for a reason. And it may not be the end of it. 
So she was being set up. She was being set up for a, for a, a life change. But the second thing we notice about it is that she's actually hiding from her problems, isn't she? You know the story. She's been married, I guess, five times, and the guy she's with, she's not married to. We don't know if there was five divorces or five deaths. We do know that women basically were not, even in Samaritan law, they were not allowed to divorce their husbands. So, the, so she had, unless they died, she had five husbands divorce her. So I don't know what the problem is. But if I were the sixth guy, you know why he didn't marry her. And if those five guys died, I really wouldn't marry her. There's definitely some kind of husband curse on this woman. So we don't, we don't know the situation. I, I don't know if you're watching that series, The Chosen. You can download the app and watch it free. It's, it's, it's just a really cool, uh, there's, I think they're on season two now or three. Um, it's a season two. You really ought to watch The Chosen. It's really, really well done. And they, they go into the, anyway. So, so, this, so, 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 so she, she's hiding. Why is she hiding from her problem? Because all the other women came in the morning. You come in the morning because you're in the Middle East. It's hot. It's hot. You know, you don't have running water. You got, you got to walk a mile maybe, maybe two miles. You got that thing on your shoulder, and you got two 40-pound water pots. And you do that every day. And, and listen, the men didn't do it. In fact, if you were a married woman, you probably wouldn't do it. They would send the single girls out there. And they all went early in the morning when it was cool, and number two, where they can help each other. There was fellowship there. That's another word for gossip. And, and so she, she didn't want to go and, and hear the little talk from the other single, you know, oh, yeah, uh, so-and-so, so-and-so's got, getting married, wink, wink. And, and just all this little subtle talk and maybe not so subtle talk and the looks and people avoiding her. Uh, how many know sometimes we have problems in our lives that we have to hide from? And, and we got secret things going on and that we don't want people to know about. And there, there's people we avoid and places we avoid. And, and, and maybe you're even avoiding a calling in your life. Because it's kind of scary, and it's been a long time, and I don't know that I can, and I'm kind of afraid to do this in public, and I, I just don't, don't know about all this. So, so she came in the heat of the day. She's the only woman there. She's carrying these 40-pound these water. I mean, I'd have trouble with two 40-pound water jugs. Anybody else might have trouble with that? that that's two bags of salt from your from your water softener. All right, now, now do I relate? Mercy. But I got a word for somebody. What she didn't realize was, even though she was hiding, she was just one encounter away from a move of God. She was just one encounter away from a miracle. 
You might be just one encounter away. Your family members that aren't saved might be just one encounter away. It may not take a whole lot of arguing. It may not take a whole lot of convincing. It may not take everything you think it needs to take. Just one miraculous event. Just one amazing interception from Jesus. Just the Lord doing something so amazing in their life that they can't deny it was him. How many, oh my God, how many miracles. We need to start praying, God, just send that one encounter just meet my loved one at the well. Just, just, just that one encounter. Just one miracle away from a miracle. Wow. Let's pick up the story in verse 9. Then the woman, the woman of Samaria said to Jesus, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me? Because they're not even supposed to speak in public. A Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Yes, 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 yes. The woman said to him, Sir, you, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Uh, where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Mm -hmm. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Ooh, glory to God. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Give me this water. I don't have to come out here in the heat of the day. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. Mm, I have no husband. You have well said to have no husband, for you've had five husbands. And, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you truly spoke. Wow. Wow. So she, she sets up these arguments. How many know it's, sometimes it's hard to help some people? It's kind of like, like you see somebody drowning, and you dive in to help them, and what do they do? They, they push off. They fight you. I mean, they, they, they need you, but, you know, they're grabbing you, and, they're, and before you know it, you're both drowning. And I think that's the way it is a lot of times. We try to help struggling people, and instead of helping them, they just, they just, you know, just grab us, and we're both going down. Well, she kept giving arguments and telling Jesus, you know, trying to make excuses. And, um, and so, so, so that didn't work. So, so next she sets up a religious argument. How many times do you begin to uh, witness to people, and they'll come up with all this religious stuff? You're trying to get them saved, and they want to know what speaking in tongues is. <laughs> You're trying to get them saved, and they say, well, if two people speak in tongues at the same time, what do you want? No, let, let's get you saved. Well, how can there, are there three gods, or is there one God? No, no, let's get you saved. 
So, 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 so she, she sets up a religious argument. Are we supposed to worship here or do we worship in, in Jerusalem? And she sets up this religious argument. And, and, and Jesus gives her that amazing thing about worshiping, right, in spirit and in truth. Let's go to verse 19. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Duh. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you, you Jews say that in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to worship. Remember, this has been going on for 500 years. Believe me, woman, the hour is coming. Say, the hour is coming. When you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such. Father is seeking such. Do you know what the, who the Father is looking for? He's looking for worshipers. Seeking such who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Come on now, church. It's not about where you worship. It's not even sometimes about how you worship. It's what's in your heart. Are, are you, are you, listen, we need, we need to be careful about singing because sometimes we think we're worshiping when really we're worshiping in, a, in, in, it's not in spirit, it's in soul. I just can't worship unless I'm hearing a certain song. Really? I'm not so sure you're worshiping during that song. You know, you know, he said the, the he said the, can I mess? The word cuts, right? It divides spirit from flesh, from soul. That's what the word does. Because all mutant. Mm, 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 mm. Sometimes you think you're worshiping, but it's really a soulish thing. Your worship is really just emotional. Yet the music's putting you in a mood. How many know music in the world, that's the goal? To put you in a mood. Music's supposed to get you in a certain mood. And if we're not careful, we're, we, we, we worship moody or nostalgic or that was grandma's song. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but, uh, you know, because music helps us get to where we need to get, and it all kind of works together. But the Word of God separates soul from spirit, so you can know when it's really the Holy Ghost, when it's the Spirit of God, and not just a mood you're in. If you like certain kinds of music, there's nothing wrong with that, but be careful that, you know, if you... I've often told you that time I was searching the internet. I'm on worship, and I came to that church in Bulgaria somewhere, and there were worship, and every every musician on the platform had an accordion. Now, if you and I was worshiping with them, man, they were they were like, well, if you can worship with accordion music, you have found the spirit of God. You are truly spirit-filled if you can do it. No, we're not going to do it. It will kill worship. It will. The Holy Ghost doesn't care what you're playing. He really doesn't even care if you, if you hit the wrong key. He doesn't care if you sing uh, off key. He said, well, now go good, Pastor. Why don't you let me on the platform? God doesn't care, but we do. 
so, so play skillfully and sing on key and play the right. Oh, come on, church. Amen. How many are still with me? Where have I lost you? Worship in spirit and in truth. And, you know, the last, it seems like this is the fifth Sunday, I think, in a row now, where the spirit of God has just moved in an unusual way in both, service, both services. And God is just moving. We're in revival. We're in a move of God. There's no telling what will happen in any of these services. That's because we've entered a place of worship and a place of spirit. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's about worshiping in spirit and worshiping in truth. Some people love truth and some people love spirit. I love people who know to do both. Oh, you didn't get that. Just talk to Jesus. Even Listen, how many times have you been in, in a service where you didn't even understand what was going on, but you felt the Holy Ghost? Come on, you, you know what I came out of when I was saved. And, and back in, in our little church running 60 or 70, we, we had a y'all come choir. Do y'all know what a y'all come choir is? Huh? I mean, there's 60 or 70 people out there and say, anybody want to sing in the choir today? And about 15 or 20 of the 60 or 70 will come on up into the choir. Now, I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I'm coming to the choir I mean, I, was, I don't even know if I had joined the church, but I, I, I came to the choir. And I remember sitting, he's, he's gone just not too long ago. To be, you may have heard me talk about old brother Lucas. What a, what, what a, he had the heart of Christ. And I was standing in the choir next to brother Lucas singing a song I never heard before. Right? And he starts speaking in tongues. But you know what? Something inside me clicked. And my brain's going, I don't get it. But my heart was saying, that's God. And, and then I saw other things like people running. <sighs> Come on. People being out in the spirit for days, having to drive people home because they're, they're lost in the Holy Ghost and visions and signs and wonders. And, oh, my God, the move of his spirit, the miraculous move of the Holy Ghost. We, can, we don't get it in the brain. But, listen, there's a realm out there. There's a realm of the spirit that's not like the worldly realm. It's different. And thank God it's different. How are we going to get people saved if the church is just like the world? They need to see the supernatural church people are one encounter away from a move and a life-changing experience in Jesus Christ they must worship in spirit and in truth oh my god hallelujah I got news for you she had six men in her life but Jesus was the seventh man Sometimes you have to go through a lot of mistakes and a lot of problems. But eventually we get to Jesus. Verse 25, the Bible says she dropped her jar. She dropped her jar. She didn't need those waters anymore, as it were. She had found living waters. In other words, she dropped what she needed to survive in this world in order to get what she needed to survive in the spirit world. She dropped her water jar. You know what the Bible says? She went into the city. First, yeah, she preached. She went into the city, 
And it said that the whole city came out and heard Jesus then, and they all got saved and, 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 and powerful, wonderful things. Listen, one woman won a city for Jesus Christ. We wonder, how can we win Mansfield? You know, let me tell you what Jesus didn't do. Jesus didn't meet with the religious leaders of the town to discuss salvation. He didn't meet with the mayor and the various people. I'm not saying any of that's wrong. But Jesus didn't meet with any of the civil leaders to discuss how he could rent a facility and go in there and preach the good news. He didn't even go on Facebook. Twitter didn't know he was there. What? He didn't print up any bulletins. Didn't get on the radio. Didn't rent a coliseum. He met one sinful woman alone at a well and turned a city upside down for Jesus. What can he do with you? I mentioned this last week. Jesus isn't that hard to find. If, you, if someone told you he's on a mountaintop and, you, and he was really there, you'd climb that mountain. You'd find a way to get to the top of that mountain, wouldn't you? If they said he was 500 miles down the Amazon River, you'd rent you a boat and you'd be going down the Amazon River. If he was, on, if he was in Australia, you'd book a flight to Australia. Wherever he was, you'd find a way to get there. I have a word for you. He's not that hard to find. He's right here, right now. Hallelujah. Let's get a hold of Jesus. Just talk to Jesus. How many love that song? Just talk to Jesus. He, he, he had an encounter with an outcast and won a city for Jesus Christ. Real quick, Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that where? That what? Where? Samaria. Wasn't that where the woman was from? Had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, now remember, Samaria, that was just one city, Sychar. So Sychar's in Samaria, but all of Samaria. So they sent down to pray for them that they might what? Receive the, you know what that says? You can be saved and not baptized in the Spirit. How do you know you're filled with the Holy Ghost? Because you're filled with love. You're filled with love when you get saved. Now, you have the Spirit when you're saved. He, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you are none of His. But there's a difference between having the Spirit and being immersed in the Spirit. There's a difference between the Spirit being in you and you being in the Spirit. Are y'all getting this? It's, it's, it's one thing for me to take a drink of water. It's something else for me to fall into the creek. Now I help somebody. There's a big difference, or there should be. So many people faking the baptism now. Just say, I want a Mahonda 50 times, and you got the Holy Ghost. No. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. 
But that's not the end of the story of the woman at the well. Because Christian tradition says that when she was baptized, she changed her name. We don't know what her original name was, but her name was Photine. It's from the Greek word where we get the word photo, the illuminated one. And in some traditions, she's a saint now, Saint Photine, P-H-O-T-I-N-E, the illuminated one. She was actually considered equal to the apostles. She won as many or more people to the Lord than all the, than, than all the apostles. She won thousands to Jesus Christ. She was so amazing and so impactful that, that she caught the attention of the emperor Nero. And he brought her to his court and sentenced her to death. And you know how she died? They threw her in a dry well. I think as she was in the bottom of that well, she, I'm sure she thought, don't need the water. I have another well. Because on that day, there was a well sitting on the well. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. I said there was a well sitting on the well. And as she lied dying in the bottom of that pit, oh, hallelujah, every time she got thirsty, she thought about Jesus. Every time she got lonely, she thought about Jesus. Every time she got hot or too cold, she thought about Jesus. Every time she got hungry, she thought about Jesus. Glory to God. She just sat there, and Jesus, more than ever before in her life, Jesus became her living well. And she died. And she's in eternity now. And someday you can meet her. What are you thirsty for? What do you think your solution to your problem is? What, what, what are you maybe hiding from? What are you avoiding? This is a dangerous message. Because this is not about you seeking him. This is about him seeking you. This is a dangerous message because I just opened the door. I just let you know that Jesus is out to get you. <laughs> He's out to change you. He's out. Listen, you don't have to go bail, Lord, please. No, you don't need to beg him to do it. If you're in his will, he's out to do something great in you. You don't have to even seek him in this. What are you thirsty for? What are you thirsty for? Wouldn't it be something if God used you to win a city? What, what, if, what if you went 